Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. All right. It's, a, it's an intimate crowd, uh, but I, uh, I think you would call these what you'd call OGs in the church biz. Like this is everyone I see in this room. Um, is faithful, loyal, ride or die, TCOC people, and that comforts me because I don't feel great. Um, and I've been uh, I, I do this thing where I don't like going to the doctor, um, and so I, I do like my own. Uh, I don't want to label it self medicating because that has its own context <laughs> in our world. I don't do that, but I take like everything that's over the counter at once to make like a super mucinex, um, and that's where I'm at today. So uh, bear with me. I'm going to uh, I'm going to to preach what God has put on my heart until my voice literally gives out, um, but uh, it's always good to stand before the people that I love and uh, preach and teach about the God that saves. Um, so we're going to be in Matthew today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. We're going to look at the life of Joseph. We're going to look uh, at, at Christmas or or uh, the, the coming of the Messiah through the lens of Joseph, and, and Joseph uh, being... Um, Jesus' earthly fire, father, obviously not his biological father, but his 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 uh, his, his father on earth, um, and, and look at what it what it is to experience Christmas through that lens. And, and the reason that we're doing the the point of view study through Christmas is because we want you to see Christmas through different angles. We want you to see it through different lenses of of people because we want this this story to reign over you. We don't want this just to be something. Um, that you read uh, out loud. We don't want you just to read the Luke account on Christmas Eve in the family and just be this story that 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 uh, you've heard or gets regurgitated uh, once a year uh, through Sunday school or through uh, TV. We want this to be something that permeates on your heart. We want to orient what you're about, how you live your life uh, through this lens. We don't want this to be just a season of life. We want this to be a manner of life. We want you to experience the gospel, and Christmas every day. Like I said last night, last night we had our night of worship. I, I loved it. I thought it was a beautiful uh, a way of just orient our hearts to, to the reason of the season and, and doing it uh, with a lot of intention um, of, of saying, hey, this is what we're about. What we're about on December 25th is the same thing we're about July 1st. Like it does not change. Our God does not change. Yes, there are times culturally where we put more emphasis in stuff in, in Christmas and Easter, uh, but ultimately uh, Christmas and Easter should be something that permeates inside of us, that, that dictates how we live our life and how we live Christmas. Um, and that's that's the reason we, we, we want to look through the lens of, of prophecy, Joseph, Mary, and Christ. And today, Joseph, and Joseph is, is not uh, mentioned a ton in the Bible for having such an important part uh, as far as raising and rearing or protecting the Messiah Christ, the, the child um, that would one day save us all on the cross. Uh, he, he's not mentioned a ton. He's only a few times in Matthew and Luke. But we're going to dive into that because what is mentioned is, is really important. It's really intentional. Uh, it, it gives us a look at what um, it, it means to be completely faithful, to live a life of submission uh, to God's will and God's plan. And ultimately, that's the goal. The goal is for us to be found uh, a good and faithful servant. Like a lot of people say, I don't know how to live my life. I don't know how to pray for you. I don't know how to do this or that. And the ultimate, uh, or the, 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 the main thing that we should always strive for is just being faithful, to just be obedient to God's will. And that doesn't mean your life's going to be easy. That doesn't mean it's going to be simple, but it means you're going to be in lockstep with the Spirit and God. And no matter what comes your way, uh, there is peace that's found there. There's hope that's found there. And there's joy 
that's found there. So last week we looked at the prophecies, the lens of how what it must have been to be an Old Testament prophet, to prophesy the coming Messiah, to, to eagerly await the first coming of Christ, and how we look back to, on those prophecies that have already been fulfilled through the first coming of Jesus Christ, and how that fills us with hope for the second advent of Christ. We looked at Isaiah when he says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. When it talks about this Messiah is coming for us to save humanity, and how knowing the fact that Christ has already come, he was promised, he came, he fulfilled scripture, he fulfilled prophecy, he died on the cross, and, and, and rose again, and then how we are eagerly anticipating and eagerly eagerly yearning for his second coming really defines how we wait well. We talked last week about how do we as 2019 Christians at TCOC in Dallas, Texas, how do we wait well? How do we wait well with that eager anticipation that Paul writes about? And um, the main two things is that we, we, we wait well with truth. We wait well with biblical truth. We understand the reason for the season. And then we, we wait well with hope. Um, knowing that we will never be satisfied with earthly things, that we will, we were meant for eternal things. We were not meant for temporal things, so the ways of this world, the ways of this earth will never satisfy us. There will always be a hole inside of us. There will always be a yearning for something better because every uh, step we take, is, is it should be a yearning and desire to be back in the presence of God, to be back at His at his, at his side, at his, at his feet, yearning to be uh, in, a, in internal communion with Christ. And we are members of this broken world, but we are actually destined for eternal things. And that is how we wait well. This week, like I said, we're going to dive into Joseph, the, Jesus' earthly father, and look what it is to be completely submitted. So if you would stand with me in just the reverence of God's holy word, I'm going to read Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. It's going to be behind me. There should be Bibles all around. Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph Before they came together she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit And her husband Joseph being a just man And unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly But as he considered these things Behold an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream Saying Joseph son of David Do not fear to take Mary as your wife for which is conceived is in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she gave birth to her son, and they called him Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. God, I pray for the next few minutes we're able just to dive into your, your gospel, your word, that we may let this, the scripture reign over us, that we may uh, just pour out and pull out what, what you have for us, that we may uh, focus our hearts on your way and your glory. Amen. Amen. All right. So we first see uh, Joseph actually early on in Matthew uh, chapter 1. We see him in uh, verse 16 uh, where you see this lineage of Christ. And we serve a really intentional God. And I remember growing up uh, through church and, and um, uh, Sunday school that lineages and when, when they played out and when like that, the son, begotten son, begotten, I just skipped over all that, right? That was something that was not important to me as a child. And I didn't actually learn until later on in college how beautifully intentional the genealogies are. That these aren't just fillers in the Bible. They weren't trying to get a certain word count. 
they were actually uh, trying to show us uh, the fulfillment and the promises of God. Um, Nora's in here today, guys. So if you hear her just yelling, Dad, we're, you know, we're playing zone. Uh, and one of us is up here, which means we're really playing one-on-three, not fair odds, so with Grace. At any point, she just starts doing this weird, guttural, just something's wrong with her internally. That's just a Tuesday with Nora. Don't worry. Jamie has instructions just to over the shoulder and run. So we see Joseph uh, mentioned in the genealogy of Christ because uh, uh, Matthew, the writer of the gospel, is trying to, to link us up to the fulfillment of prophecy because uh, Christ was to come out of the lineage of David to fulfill um, the promise to David that he would have an heir reign forever. So you see in 2 Samuel verses 7, uh, when, when, when the writer of Samuel uh, is telling, or, or the prophet Samuel is telling David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will rise up your offspring after you, you shall come. From your that shall come for your body, and I will establish his kingdom. Uh, he's saying I, that from your uh, lineage, from your genealogy, from your family, I will rise up uh, a leader that will reign. And then it goes on uh, later in in chapter seven to say, "And your house and your kingdom shall be made uh, sure and sound forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever." So what he's saying, I am promising uh, from your royal line, from your royal blood, uh, that there will be a king that reigns forever. So that's why early on in Matthew chapter one they're trying to point you to the truth of that promise. They're trying to show you that God is an intentional God that's fulfilling everything. So, so from the line of David, we see Joseph and we see Mary um, that come from that biblical line saying, from this, 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 this king that will reign. And we think as Jesus... Um, as this king purely because God made him and he is his only son. And that is completely true. But they're also trying to articulate to the Israel, the, 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 the Israelites and, and, and the scholars to say, yes, he is the only son of God. He is 100% man. He is 100% uh, um, God. But at the same time, he still fits into your royal bloodline. He still has a claim to the throne, even through your earthly measures, even through um, the rules that you've, you've made through the, the royal bloodline of David, Christ still fits into that. And then we move on and we see that Joseph is, is really just laid bare on this, this plan. He, he, he is betrothed to Mary. So what that means in, 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 in the biblical writings and the culture and context of this time is they are engaged with a more intense nature. It's, it's a courting engagement. Uh, she is bound to Joseph. Joseph is bound to her. Uh, uh, even in, even though they have not um, uh, had like a ceremony yet, uh, divorce and, and uh, uh, adultery would be viewed under the same legal laws as, as, as the betrothment would have. So, um, and, and she becomes uh, pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And we see... The beginnings of humanity from Joseph. I, the more I read this story, the more I try to put myself in Joseph, uh, Joseph, Joseph's uh, position, where you have this woman you love, you're betrothed, you're, you're both really young, um, you're going to start your life together, and then she lays this bomb on you that she's pregnant and it's by the Holy Spirit. And um, I, I don't know what I do in that situation. I, I, but Joseph had every right to publicly humiliate Mary. Um, uh, I don't know if he originally bought in. Probably not. That's why the angel came to say, like, okay, Holy Spirit, gotcha. 
you stepped out on me, and now I'm going to divorce you. And, and common uh, practice at that time would be public humiliation. Depending on what region they lived on, she could have been stoned, she could have been killed. The, the public divorce would have marked her for the rest of her life. She would have been known as, as the, the lowest of low um, as far as her adultery and her, 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 her disloyalty to her husband. She would have never been married again. That, that, that son would have been a bastard, and, and they, she would have not been taken care of. And it would have been completely okay and condoned. It would have been just. And actually, they would have uh, looked on Joseph as a man of righteousness because how he handled the situation and, and put her out and put that disgraceful, dishonored thing out of his lineage, and he would move on to a righteous and proper woman. That would have been common for that day. He would have been understood. He would have actually been encouraged um, from the religious leaders of that day. But we see that him being a just man, which that, that word just actually translates to a lot of different words, um, but the best thing that it can come to our American understanding is humble kindness. So that just humble kindness, he says, yeah, I'm not going to be a part of this. Like, I, I didn't sign up for this. Uh, you're saying the Holy Spirit or, or whatever she told. We don't know what was said in the intimate conversations of how she let him know she was pregnant. But uh, I'm not going to be a part of this. But here's what I'm not going to also do. I'm not going to put you out. I'm not going to make it a public thing. I'm not going to bring uh, disgrace and, and, dis, and dishonor to your name or to your family. I'm going to privately divorce you. We're going to go our own ways and we're going to go from there. So just before the, the onset of uh, the triune God being his son coming before him, before he knows even uh, the importance importance of the Messiah that he, he will call his firstborn Jesus, all of that, he is still showing kindness, humble, uh, humbles, uh, uh, just fair love to, to Mary. And, and then we see this angel come and pretty much lay down what has to be, I don't know if it would be joy, terror, um, it, it, it's impossible to almost quantify it with, with human emotion to say, an angel comes to you and says, the, the woman that you were secretly planning to divorce is actually now uh, the, the biological mother of Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. The Messiah that has been preached to you since your birth, this Messiah that Israel has looked for for hundreds and hundreds of years, the, the Savior of humanity, the, the promised Christ anointed Emmanuel is actually living in Mary's womb and you're going to be his father. And I don't know how to take that bombshell. I remember the first time um, that Joja told me that we were pregnant. I didn't handle that bombshell great. And Asher's really cool dude. Um, in no way the Savior of mankind. So, uh, you know what I'm saying? So, and, so you have a lot going on. You say like, one, there's a supernatural conception that just took place with my wife and I don't fully understand it. Um, now I have uh, the, 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 the stress and the, 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 I don't, the stress and the um, problem of saying, okay, I had to keep this child alive, but he's also, like, he is he God, like, he's the Savior, he is Messiah, he is Emmanuel, he is everything that's been promised is about to come out of Mary, and I'm going to be his earthly father. Um, a lot of guys still bounce, Right? Like you were privately going to divorce divorce her, and uh, because you thought she stepped out, now you have uh, con confirmation that she didn't step out. It is a, a supernatural conception. It is the Holy Spirit. But now you have almost a bigger problem. The son that you will raise is Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. A lot of guys leave for a lot less reasons, right? Families all over America are falling apart because men just don't like 
the stress and the uh, the responsibility of being a dad to a completely normal kid. But we have a guy here that's saying, I had a plan for my life. I had a plan for Mary. I was going to do this, this, and that. And all of it got shattered. And the next sentence is, he gets up and he does what the Lord commands. And that's really what we have to take away from Joseph. What we have to take away from Joseph is, every plan he ever made for himself was shattered in a conversation with Mary and a dream with an angel. And it was gone. It'll never be the same. And we don't know a lot about Joseph. We don't. It is very uh, easy to, to understand and make the leap that he actually never saw Christ's earthly ministry. Um, he's not mentioned. Uh, when Mary is at the, before the cross, Joseph is, is not mentioned or even referenced. So most scholars would say he did not uh, make it, uh, he did not live to see the earthly ministry. Um, so every plan he's ever had to be a dad, to grow a family, to do all these things is now just shattered. And he is now, his main job in life is just to be a faithful servant to Mary and humbly uh, raise this child the best he can, knowing that he is raising the Messiah King. The stress there is uncanny, but he faithfully wakes up and does as the Lord commands and he, he knew her not until uh, she gave birth to Jesus. Uh, most uh, theologians will say that is just so there could be a, a confirmation that there was no, um, when she says, I was, I was conceived by the Holy Spirit, there could be no other way than the Holy Spirit. So um, for, for a person that's not mentioned a lot in the Bible, there's a lot that we can take from his life. And one of it is that if you have faith in God and God's plan and God's will, that faith will cause you to move. That faith will cause you to act. If it does not cause you to move, if it does not cause you to act, you do not have the faith you're talking about. And it's easy for us to say we have that faith until our, our betrothed says, hey, I got this Holy Spirit thing working in me, and P.S., this angel will come to visit me. So all of us would have said we would have done the right thing until the actual events took place, and then that's the moment that defines you, right? The moment of action, the moment that actually requires movement is what, what defines your faith, not the lip service you say prior to or after. The moment where God's calling you to take the step of faith into His will is actually what defines you as a believer. And for, 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 for Joseph, um, his, his job wasn't to get the glory. His job really wasn't even to see this thing through. His job was to do his unique part, his specific part for God's will that was vital, but not what we would call a, a celebrity moment. He, he's mentioned very little. Uh, Mary gets majority of, of, the, of the praise inside the parenting uh, dynamic of Jesus Christ. And obviously the, the, the entire Bible is written about Jesus, either what he will do, has done, or will do again. Um, so it, it's a blurb in, in, in the, the like there's, there's Old Testament prophets that get more, uh, uh, minor prophets that get more uh, understanding, more lineage, uh, more description than Joseph. But it doesn't change how faithful he was in the faith of complete mental breakdown. I'm breaking down mentally when this happens, right? If Joe comes to me and says these things, I'm breaking down or just flat out not believing it. I can, I can just, okay, you say the Holy Spirit, great. Or I can, like, that, that dream, that was a dream. Like, I don't trust dreams. I dream crazy, crazy things. <laughs> I'm not dreaming any of that. Like, I can still, I still, majority of us today still do stage left. Exit stage left and say, good luck um, with all you got going on. I didn't sign up for this. I don't want to be a part of this. And this is going to be just wreck every plan I've ever had. But we still, we see Joseph really um, 
step into that space and, and be the man of God call, God calls him to be. And that's where we define the difference between being a follower of Christ or being a fan of Christ. And I don't want us this Christmas season to get caught up in the emotion of being a fan of Christ. So, um, there, because if we, if we get really excited about Christ and the Messiah and Emmanuel in December, but in January there's really nothing left, but I'm just tired and I'm waiting for the next season, next event, that's you being a fan of Christ. So there's two hobby sports in America, and we, we're, a, we're all close-knit. What are the two hobby sports, if you had to guess? Um, like in, as, as they define it in America. And that means like football would not be a hobby. You can't like you go, go play football or rugby. That's not a hobby sport. Oh, but if you have a four-hour window on, on Saturday, what sport are Americans playing? Golf. Golf, Golf was the other one. Tennis. Boom. I like it. That was, I thought I was going to have to lead you all to water. And then ultimately, that's it, right? So there's two, um, there's two hobby sports. Um, and I am guilty of this, just as everyone else in America, but when do you think uh, most people that don't really care about tennis but played once um, come out of the woodwork and decide that weekend or that season of the year they're going to play tennis? Wimbledon, right? Wimbledon, uh, tennis sales go up at all the tennis stores. People who like could not tell you anything other than like the Williams sisters are really good and Federer's won a lot and like they don't know anything about anything. They're gonna watch Wimbledon. They're gonna buy a tennis racket. They're gonna play for two weeks and it's gonna be done, right? So when is the one time the guy that owns golf clubs that his dad gave him gets him out and goes to the driving range? Masters, right? Masters. It's just, I mean, you have people, some of that is like Tiger's responsible for a lot of that, um, but the Masters, so right? So those are, those are fans of golf. I'm a fan of golf and tennis. I'm as guilty as anyone else. I'll play a little more tennis around Wimbledon. I'll watch the only tennis I watch ever is Wimbledon. And then um, it take Tiger, me trying to like just relive my childhood and be like, he's going to come back. He's going to do it. I take that out. I'm watching the Masters. That's really it. I'm a fan. Those times of the year, I pretend to care more than I actually do about those two things. And that is exactly what Satan wants to do with you about Christmas. He wants to trick you into the emotion, the pomp, the circumstance of Christmas and say, hey, this is your Wimbledon, this is your Masters. Come to church a little more, decorate a little more, pray a little more, read the Bible a little more, but that's just going to end. December 26, you go back to being the person you, you normally are. And that's not faith. That's emotion. That's hype. Satan wants you hyped about Christmas. God wants you faithful about Christmas. You have to understand the difference and you have to fight I'm not saying don't go play tennis during Wimbledon. I'm saying the songs that move your heart uh, during Christmas, the, the passages that move your heart during Christmas have to move you in July, February, November, because that's faith. That's a life. That's a manner and the way that you live. Everything else is smoke and mirrors, lasers, and hype. That's, that's the equivalent of me doing a backflip and saying, I'm a little more excited December 25th about Jesus than I am September 16th. That's not true. I'm equally excited. He did the same thing for me on those two different dates. Yes, culturally, there's some space that you get to step into at work that say, hey, that excitement you feel, actually, that's a 365 thing. That, 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 that emotion you feel to be a better person, to be kinder, that's because you were meant to be kinder. That's because you were meant for something more than this. You weren't meant just to put on really pretty dresses and sit next to trees uh, on, on December 25th. You were meant for beautiful, eternal things. Amen. Joseph was a normal person that saw that and lived it out. 
I love Joseph as an example because you can't tell me Joseph was some supernatural, crazy, gifted anything. We don't know anything about him. You can look at the life of Moses and David and Noah and, and on, and, and there's so much written about them, and you can trick yourself in. It's not true, but you can trick yourself into saying, I can never be as faithful as Moses or David or Abraham. They are the titans of faith. But when you do that, you actually steal glory from God because all God uses is faithful people. He also only uses sinner and broken people. And, and it, but, but Joseph gets, get, gets shoved into that category because he was faithful to what was before him. He never saw the whole picture. He never, he never could probably really wrap his mind around about what his, what his son would do. But that's true for all the faithful people. Abraham never saw the nation of Israel. Moses never stepped a foot in the promised land. David never built the temple. And Joseph never saw his son's earthly ministry. All of them were faithful to what was before them because they were followers of God. They were followers of Christ. They weren't pomp, hype, circumstance. They weren't here to see the fog machine. We joke about that, but there's a lot of fog machines going on today at churches. And I'm not knocking them in and of themselves. So we may edit that out. That was derogatory for unnecessary. But I'm saying <laughs> Satan wants you, Satan doesn't care if you're excited in December. He'll, he'll, he'll write that up as a loss. Okay, everyone gets excited. Uh, atheists, secular people, you got your Christmas, Mother's Day, uh, Easter people at church. He'll write that off. Why fight the battle you don't have to fight? His goal is the second the, the tree comes down, the lights turn off, and the presents get old, that you go back to living the life he wants you to live, live in, 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 in complete contrast to the life that God's called you to live. Joseph's faith was countercultural. He had to give up his complete plan for his family. He had to give up control. He had to, he had to submit completely. We talk about that a lot. He, he, he submitted completely, but there's no other version of submission than complete submission. His faith led to hope and led to joy. What you put your faith in in Christmas and July and September and October, what you put your faith in will completely define you. If you put your faith in this world, in, in, in hopes and dreams and things that were never meant to carry your hope, that was never meant to carry your joy, they will fail you every time. But if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, come, come valley, come, come mountaintops, come, come depravity, come joy, He will be there for you and He will see you through. And that is where the peace that is promised us comes when we put our faith and attach our faith to the things that are actually meant to carry our faith. Let me pray over us. Um, we're going to sing a little bit. It's always an honor to stand before you and just walk through the Gospels. God, thank you for today. Thank you for everything you've done for us. I pray that, um, that this week we are about the following of your will, not the fandom of your will. God, I pray um, that we are not hyped about Christmas, but that we are joyous about Christmas. I pray all things in your name. Amen. Amen.